0: us uh, throughout this time together. They uh, continue to just draw us closer to God in worship and, and praise, and so thank you to them. I know that you all appreciate them back home. I wanted to uh, continue our, my series with you, uh, Some Good News, uh, the encouragement for us that we would know that good things are happening. It can be hard to know all of the good things happening when we're not interacting the way that we normally do. And so I thought this is a fun way to just kind of keep things going and know that great things are happening the way our church is interacting together, but also the way our church is interacting with the world. And so I just wanted to share some of these positive, good things going on to be a great encouragement to you. The other day, there was a baby shower for Nick and Kayla Harker. Now, the baby shower was, you know, less than normal. It was one of those situations where... Uh, They did a little drive-by baby shower with honking, and my kids they threw uh, pop rockets, and they had lots of fun. And so Nick and Kayla they wanted to say thank you, and Kim and Eric Wagner were so grateful for all that you were, uh, uh, all all of you that were able to participate with that. Uh, Aaron Long, he sent me this picture this week uh, of him uh, farming, and they are planting hay. And he just wanted to say, this is good news, planting hay. And the sun was shining, so they were making hay. So we're praying for all of our farmers. We're grateful for all of you. Thank you for your selfless work and your essential work. We appreciate you all very much. I got this from Jill Simmons. She uh, wanted you to see Henry having a little fun with Kyle in the shop. (laughs) $5 $5 rides, so if you want to go to the shop, you can go ahead and check that out. Now, this picture is just a whole bunch of great fun things. Up in the top left, we have, uh, we have uh, Athena Stentrum's daycare, and when the kids hear that the choo-choo train is coming, they have to run down and go check it out and uh, watch the train go by in Bourbon, and that's just a fun little thing to get them out of the house and go and enjoy that. We have a couple of pictures of Aiden, MCow and his grandpa, Barry, and they are doing projects together and spending some time together. And we have in the lower right corner, a hero lives here. And this was Michael Hefner wanting to honor his mom. And we want to honor all of our health workers. We're so grateful for all of you. I would list them off, but I know I would forget some of them. But today I just want to recognize Jennifer. Uh, who's been a servant for so many years, serving in Sunday school and serving in our community and caring for so many. And so uh, we do call you a hero, Jennifer. You're one of the greatest. And right there, dead center, this is Wrigley. He's new to Diane Walter and uh, to Mike Walter's family. And Megan sent me this picture. She wanted to show that she had a new brother. And, oh, a sister. Wrigley is a girl, That's new information to me. Uh, My bad. Anyways, Wrigley, and I'm sure you're laughing about that at home, and I'm glad I can provide that for you. This whole thing kind of came together for me. I was thinking about the special things that can happen by being able to spend a little bit more time with our kids, whether it's with our puppies. There's been lots of quarantine puppies being purchased. Uh, But it's also kids getting to interact with their grandparents and uh And just ways that we can interact uh, just a little bit more and in a little healthier ways than when everything was kind of going crazy. And so, you know, good news happening there. I'm so grateful for Athena and all our daycare providers and people that work to take care of kids. So Athena, keep up the good work and giving kids good fun things to do like watching trains. There's been so time with our kids, but then there's also been a whole lot of service happening. One of our most amazing families uh, and what they've been doing to serve others has been so awesome. And I just wanna give a special shout out to Addie and Eli Stichter, who have with their help of their mom and dad been doing lots of different things to bless their neighborhood and their community. If you look in the bottom left corner, they put out just a little water and drink stand and that's just for walkers who are passing by to come by and get a treat. And we also have right there in the sort of middle, you see the movie theater candy. Dan and Emily and the kids, they hopped in their golf cart and they went about, went around bourbon and they hid movie theater buckets so that families could have a special treat watching their favorite movie. On the pictures, you see my child, Ellie, and you see Addy and Eli, they're holding up emojis. Eli is holding up a poop emoji, which is fitting, I think. And uh, that's for you, Eli. Um, But those cookies came from Jill Everett. Jill, inspired by the generosity and and love and service of Dan and Emily and Addy and Eli, said, I'm gonna make cookies. And so uh, she's been baking cookies like crazy and spreading blessings and encouragement uh, through that. And so my, uh, so Ellie and Addie and Eli are holding up a cookie from Jill. Thank you for serving and loving others. And you're wondering probably, what's the story with the gas tanks? Well, we were having our Zoom meeting Thursday night. Linda Flenner said, I need somebody to come fill my gas tanks. And Ashley Yates said, you know what? I think Zach can do that. And Zach and Ashley are neighbors to Linda. And a couple days later, I think, they filled up the gas tank for Linda, and Linda just wanted to share the good news that her gas tanks are full and ready to go mowing. So have fun mowing, Linda. Thank you, Ashley and Zach, for serving others and thinking of others. You guys have been watching online and at home, and we have a couple of rock stars that I wanted to celebrate. Henry, he's been watching live. Hi, Henry and he involves his uh friends we have peppa and george pig in the bottom left corner they were watching oliver preach a couple of weeks ago peppa said he did a fine job i heard and he also had to get his t-rex involved thanks for following along henry and eli he's trying to be like zach and he's playing his drums and i don't know if you saw it or not but Eli broke his drumsticks, getting a little uh, passionate in his worship. And so keep the kids involved in this. I know it's been difficult to know how to get kids plugged into this worship time, but involve your whole family within it. And there are so many other resources that we can help you with along the way to just encourage your kids and walk with them. I love the meme that said, you know, today's the day to bring Bible back into the school curriculum for your children. I laughed and chuckled when when there was prayers and spankings were also brought back into the school. Um, Let's add a little more prayer and let's add a little more Bible. And uh, if discipline's an issue, go ahead with that too, I guess. Whatever. But uh, it's just a funny thing. But keep our kids plugged in. Keep them involved and connected with worship, knowing and showing that this is important. And so great job, Henry and Eli. And then I wanted to just recognize for a moment a a sad thing for us and losing Lowell, but I also wanted to recognize that he was a faithful believer and that we can come together and know that in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that there is salvation and there is hope for us all. And so we say goodbye to a friend and family member of our church knowing also that we will see him again. And so this is just a a brief recognition of his life and knowing that uh, he cared for us and we care for him. Now I want to share with you some really good news. The reading is from John chapter 1 and we're going to begin in, at verse 19. You can follow along or I have tried to provide this for you through technology. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen... And I testify that this is God's chosen one." The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means, teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked, Jesus. Uh, Nathanael asked, and Jesus answered, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. When we think about life, it would be nice if we had a magic wand. A magic wand that sort of fixed all of the things going on in the world that we really feel like need fixing. And if you do me a favor and go ahead and we can try and make this a little more interactive, I was thinking it might be fun to ask you the question, if you have the magic wand, what would you fix? And go ahead and comment in, your, in the Facebook feed if it doesn't mess you all up. If you're afraid to touch it, like I know some of you are, just leave it. You don't have, you just think about what you would fix if you had a magic wand to fix something. As, as a father, I have realized that I need to make sure that I have a bulk supply of bandage. And you might wonder, where do you get a bulk supply of band-aids? Well, Amazon has everything and I I have a gigantic box of like over 500, some uh, uh, band-aids for every occasion for big boo-boos or small boo-boos and really non-existent boo-boos. And you might wonder, why do you need a bulk supply? Well, I have two little girls who who need band-aids, usually about once a day, uh, especially during the summer when there's lots of nicks and scratches and all kinds of things going on. And so the girls will come to me often and they will they will tell me that they have a scratch and that they need a Band-Aid. And usually I comply because I have a bulk supply. Back when I didn't have the bulk supply, I didn't really care about them and I said, you'll be fine and tough it out. Uh, but now that I have plenty, it's kind of like, sure, why not? You know, and you just kind of put a Band-Aid on it. Well, it feels like uh, in our world there are a lot of problems, and and what I want to share with you today is that I feel like the way we have addressed a lot of the problems is just putting imaginary sort of band-aids on a lot of the issues. And so I ask you a question, what would you fix if you had a magic wand? And I haven't looked at the comment thread. I don't know what it is, but I imagine that there are some of you who said that you would take a magic wand and take care of this virus, or that we could have uh, world peace. You know, this is kind of like one of those pageant questions where you know it's like you would you take care of world hunger and you would take care of all kinds of things. And so we would we would ask God to, or we would wave our wand and we would have peace and we would have our world restored and we would have it fixed. And what I want to share with you today is to say to you that while all of our human effort and all the things that we do just sort of feel like a human uh, or feel like a band-aid to solve the problems, there is something that God is doing that actually solves the underlying issue. And that's what I want to share with you today is that God has done something Not waved a magic wand, but he's gotten to the heart of the very issue of what's going on inside of each and every single one of us. I look at what the world is trying to do to manage the conflict, to manage the problems. The stimulus package seems like a band-aid for the economy. It's not going to fix anything. It might help for a little while. It might make it feel a little bit better. It sure felt good to get a check and... And go and blow it all on you know trinkets and things. I'm kidding on that. You know I. I don't know. It, uh, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I can get distracted here too. You see. And uh, but anyways, we can we can have all of these things to try and solve problems. But what we truly need is someone to get to the heart of what is really wrong in the world and what's really hurting within each and every one of us. The girls sometimes they know that I don't want to give them a band-aid, and so they will tell me this word. They'll say it's gushing, and you know, and it's just this little sliver of a thing, and it, you, there might be a little red dot. It's like, oh okay, that's gushing. I I don't know, uh, I don't know when there's going to be an actual real problem, um, but anyways, God is dealing with the real problem. And the real problem is not the surface level things. It's the thing that's going on within each and every single one of us. John the Baptist is preparing the way for the Messiah. He says, I'm the one in the wilderness that says, make your path back to the Lord and go back to him. And John the Baptist is just saying, I'm not Elijah. I'm just a guy telling you that God's about to do something special. That the Messiah is on his way and our hearts better be prepared for him. And one day while he's with his disciples, he gets to tell them, look and behold, here is the Lamb of God. Behold him. He is the one who takes away the sins from the world. And so John, he is telling this message of hope to his disciples and his followers, and they grab a hold of this message, and Andrew is struck by it, and he and an, Uh, and two of uh, the disciples of John, they go and they start to follow Jesus. And Andrew can't help but tell his brother about it. And he goes and he tells Peter and he says, Simon, I got to tell you, I have found the Messiah. The one that we've been waiting for, the one that is the anointed one, the one who's going to make the world right. I think I found him. And then Peter, he would go, eventually, in the the long story of everything, eventually Peter would be one to go and start telling the world that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. But it's that first moment when Andrew hears, Behold, there's the Lamb of God who's going to start making the world right again, who's going to deal with our sin, the underlying problem." here's one who's come to make the world right and to offer forgiveness to all of us. Andrew grabs a hold of that message and he goes and he follows Jesus. And they ask a question and they say, Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus says, you just come with me and see. And I want to just sort of personalize that for a moment and say that discipleship is about saying, Jesus, I'm following you and him telling you this is where I'm going, come and see. That our relationship with God starts foremost with just simply abiding with him and resting with him and knowing that Jesus is inviting us to come and see where he is resting, come and see what he is doing, come and see what Jesus is doing in the world. And what this moment offers us is this encouragement that we get to come and see what Jesus is doing again that our distractions might be minimized, that we might set our hearts and focus on him and say, Jesus, I want to follow you again. And I think he will say to you what he says to Andrew. Come and see. Come and rest with me. Come and stay with me and know that I'm with you and that you're with me. Before we can go, we must abide with Jesus. And what Jesus will do with his disciples is encourage them to go into all of the world and and share with them the hope and the message of salvation, the message that Jesus is the Son of God. And so they sort of go in the story and they kind of keep progressing and the numbers start adding and they see Nathanael who's off in the distance and Jesus, he shares with Nathanael and he says says to him, oh yeah, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael's like, how, how did you know that? the only way that you would know that if you really are the Messiah, that you really are the Son of God, that you really are the hope of Israel. And Jesus says to him, if you think that's something, you're going to see me ascend, you're going to see the Son of Man lifted up and glorified, you are going to see something incredible. And he didn't yet know, but Jesus was saying that he would be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Nathaniel would come and believe and follow. John chapter 1 is this invitation for us to get our eyes focused and fixed on the Lamb of God. Behold this Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And friends, what I want to encourage you with today, what I want to encourage you with in this moment is actually uh, from a passage in Revelation and I know what you're thinking back home. First he becomes a televangelist and now he's going to preach from Revelation. Yes, I'm losing my mind, but it happened before all of this. And for $9.99, I can give you my Bible study on it. Uh, for an additional 15 I can make my sermon shorter. But uh, uh, all kidding aside, in Revelation chapter 5, what we have and the first Few chapters. In chapter one, we get the vision of who Christ is and what's going on. In chapters two and uh, two, we get uh, uh, the letters to the churches. And chapter four, we uh, we hear about uh, the worship in heaven. And in chapter five, we have this description this description of a scroll that is sealed up, and there's seven seals. And there's this question that arises. The John wonders, who is worthy to open the seals? Who is worthy to read what's within the scroll? And there's, of course, it's the book of Revelation. There's all kinds of debate about what all of these things are. And I just simply want to say that this is God's unfolding plan to make the world right. That this is God's plan to carry out and say who, uh, th- this is how God is going to make the world right and good again. And so when John asked the question, who is worthy to open the scroll, I think he's also asking the question, who is worthy to make the world right? Who's worthy to open this and right the wrongs and solve world hunger and bring world peace and bring about salvation and hope and renew the world in God's eyes? And John begins to cry and weep and wail because no one is found to be worthy to open the scroll. And then he hears a a voice and it says, look, the lion of Judah, of the tribe of Judah, he is worthy to open the scroll. And when John turns to look for the lion of Judah, what he ends up seeing is a slaughtered lamb, a lamb who has appeared to to be slain. It says, worthy is the lamb to open the scroll. Worthy is the lamb who appeared to be slaughtered, who appeared to be defeated, but he wasn't. And I love what uh, Randy Harris says about the book of Revelation, where in chapter four, we're introduced to the lamb of God and its lamb power the rest of the way. And it turns out it's the slaughtered lamb who is worthy to make the world right. It's the slaughtered lamb who is worthy to make things good again. It's the one who we behold, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And as Christians, it is this Jesus, the slaughtered Lamb who's risen, who's ascended to the throne, who is worthy of all of our praise, who's worthy of our devotion, worthy of our worship, who takes first place in our hearts and in our lives, who we say the Lamb of God is the one we live for. The worthy is the lamb who's been slain. To receive all praise and glory and honor. Worthy is the lamb. And we rewind the clock and there's John the Baptist telling people, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I think John the Baptist is still speaking today to remind us Fix our eyes on the one who can really make things right. Who's worthy to carry out God's plan. And his name is Jesus Christ. And the message, the message is really simple. Would you abide in him? Would you come and see what he's doing? Would you give your heart to him? Would you walk with him and listen with him? All of these things and all the effort that we do, it's band-aids on the problems. There's only one person who can really solve the problems that are going on in our world, and it's Jesus Christ. Because he's taken away the sins of the world and he's victorious over death. He says, Come and see come and be with me. And then, once we abide with him, we may go. And just like Andrew, I think we can tell people this wonderful message. Guess who I found? Guess who I found? But the one who loves me and loves you and takes away all of my sins and takes away all of your sins. I found the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Will you come and see him with me? So let's abide and then let's go. Let's abide with him and then let's go and tell people that Jesus is alive and that he loves you and he gave his life to redeem and save a world and really fix it. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you so much and we thank you for this day. We thank you that the Lamb of God came and redeemed and saved. That Jesus the Lamb was slaughtered, but He was not He was not eliminated. He was not destroyed. But God that you, you work through lamb power, through suffering love, to make your world right. And so God, I invite myself, I invite our congregation, I invite all who would listen. God, we give you our heart now and we abide with you and we want to come and see you. We want to see what you're doing so that we can tell others about Jesus. We want to abide with you so we can have peace in our hearts and know that we're forgiven and that we're loved, that we can have peace in our minds. God, that we're not doing enough, we're not, we're not fixing things, we're not in control and all of these things that are just wreaking havoc on our soul and our mind. And just let us abide with you and know that you care for us. Give your people peace. Then in a world filled with anger and hatred and sin and death and destruction and division, God, the unity of your church would glorify you as we abide with you. God, we want to abide and walk with you so that one day we can go and let the world know of our hope. We love you. Thank you for being with us. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Now the rebuttal might be a question like, well, if Jesus Jesus took care of sin. Why do we have what's going on? And that is a million dollar question far above my pay grade because what we are waiting for is the day where Jesus returns again and we get to go and be with him. And no preacher knows when that day will be and that's where we get a little off track with revelation. No one has ever gotten it right. And I, for the right amount of money, will tell you when that right day is. This whole televangelist thing is going to my head. But I want to speak to each and every one of our hearts today to say that the message of Scripture is this everlasting hope in the midst of trial and difficult circumstances to say, will our hearts stay faithful to Jesus Christ? The book of Revelation was written so that we wouldn't waver in our faith and our hope in him. That we wouldn't replace him with idols. That we wouldn't replace them with political leaders. But that we would give our hearts fully and completely to Jesus Christ alone. And the lasting scripture that is called to abide in our hearts. Is that God will make a new heaven and a new earth. And we will wrestle and we'll toil and we'll go through all of these hardships so that on the other side of it, we will live as a grateful people praising the Lord Jesus. And it says, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what the Bible says. That's what Revelation says is that the saints are those who, are, who are, have joined their lives through the blood of the Lamb. And they have this word, and that word is Jesus is Lord, the Lamb of God, who has taken away the sins of the world. May that be the abiding word on your mouth today. Come and see what God is doing. Come and worship him.